Welcome to Redesigning High School, our podcast for parents and anyone else who might be interested in how we might remake school for the benefit of students. My name is Terry DeBow, and I'm an English teacher and the director of special projects here at Hawkins School, which is outside of Cleveland, Ohio. And I'm Julia Griffin, director of the Mastery School of Hawkins. Yeah, and speaking of the Mastery School, what did you think? We had our first information session on Sunday. Oh, boy. It was a big day. It was really exciting it was. to see kids and families in the space. Yeah. I have to say it made it real in a in a really exciting and way. You did you and you did such a good job. And so oh. and Scott was up there doing his presentation. There were two hundred people and it's so uh you know, seventy five family kids showed up mm-hmm. and we did uh, I thought a really interesting, you know, way of structuring it and you know, shout out and kudos to all the uh, Hawken uh admissions people and oh my Mark, gosh. I mean just a totally. lot of people put in a lot of work for sure and the faculty design team faculty design ran a team. hands-on activity and, and we had the students was, from the ideal high school I yeah. mean, it was a whole thing um so it seems to me like the signals from the ecosystem out there um are suggesting that maybe we're on to something uh that you know and you know i've been we've been doing this a long time it's easy to get lost in the minutia and all the you know rationale and all the rest but you know if you pull back a little bit it seems like you know there's something in the student and parent body that responds to the idea that there is this mismatch between mm-hmm. the way school works and the future that kids are going to have to navigate. You know, there's something there. That's right. I agree. I mean, I, I would say the two the two of the things that gave me a little chill on in a good way on Sunday were um, actually something that Doris said to me right before we started, which was, she said, there are kids in this audience. We're going to be in your first class yeah. in the mastery school. That was pretty exciting. And then she said to your last point, she said, just remember they're here because they want a different kind of school. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think it's, it's exciting as we do more and more of this work and we keep on having this conversation in different spaces to find the people who, hear what we have to say and are like yes yeah that's what i want tell me more and also i have thoughts so to get a dialogue going i mean that was what was really fun and i just keep going back to this idea that there's something um that's you know there's a there's a great logical argument for why to do this but there's also something visceral because <laughs> we're all we're all children right mm-hmm. we all carry the marks of our own education and our own childhood absolutely you know that you talk about this and like you're right that was me that was my experience in school I, I a friend of mine was in the audience uh, not a plant but she was there with her kid and her um, and her ex-husband uh, and they I talked to them afterwards and he, uh, he is a t- an educator too and his takeaway besides wanting his kid to go to the school was that he really re- should rethink how he does his classes right and, and that took what it was a 25 minute presentation presentation that yeah. you know that he sat through um so again i just think there's something something here and you know obviously there's plenty of opportunities for us to mess it up and we will do our very best not to but that's right and lots of work lots of work to do and that's for sure but uh yeah but it was really it was gratifying so if anyone out there listening actually attended the event thank you um we was uh it was great to have you there and it got sunny for exactly five hours yeah <laughs> and then it and then the gray came back but mm-hmm. in the five hours it was mm-hmm. perfectly timed perfect weather yes so um so speaking of the world uh that these uh this next group of human beings is gonna have to inhabit um we had a chance to speak with uh, john sherm who is a Hawken alum class of 2001 and he's also the director of executive compensation at google 
Um, and uh, it was a really f- wide-ranging conversation we had that we're going to share in a minute. But there were a lot of things that we talked about. The thing I was most curious about was um, the importance of culture at Google. You know, yeah. and he had some really interesting things to say about that. Yeah, I agree. You know, he um, we talk about this a little in the interview, but he was incredibly gracious in setting up a visit for us and hosting us when Scott and I took our intensive class out there. And uh, some of the really thoughtful work that they've done um, around culture and a culture of uh, learning and what does it mean to be a learning organization um, and around the idea of psychological safety. It's just, it's really interesting. And, you know, obviously a tech company is a really different context from a school for adolescents. But I I think that there are some, uh, I think we were able to tease out some of the connections in our conversation. Right. And I think uh, one of the things that I'm proud of the way that the master school is doing its work is that it's looking outside of the bubble, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not trying to reproduce Google at the mastery school, nor are we trying to reproduce the, you know, learners college of medicine. Right. Right. But there are things that we can learn. Right. Absolutely. Um, from that. So, um, hopefully people will like the interview, but before we get to it, we have to think and talk about the best and the worst of the week. And my challenge to you is, are you ever going to come up with the worst? (laughs) You are so faithfully optimistic. Oh, I mean, and you know, I'm not much better, but (laughs) <laughs> uh well you know i mean i blunder all the time but usually i my blunders are things like well here i mean my my blunder is we have a we have a meeting of the this working group i'm confessing here to you oh, good. we have a meeting of this working group about feedback for mastery tomorrow morning and it sneaked up on me and i went to look at the agenda that my co-facilitator and i had mapped out at the beginning of this process and literally our agenda for tomorrow morning says meeting number four Everything magically comes together in this meeting, period. And that's it. Am I in that meeting? Yeah, you're in that meeting tomorrow, so stay tuned for the magic. Um, so my blunders aren't like that 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 fun. Um, it's more like, oops. Well, I think gotta plan that. what I get from that is like we are – we are deep in the year. We it are. It is May. That is very true. And so yeah. it's all coming to a point, and sometimes yes. the threads don't tie together. Yeah. That said, I took a little walk, thought about it. I think it's going to be great. We have a great plan. You can tell me after the meeting whether it was great. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm so, you know, I mean, I have to put a positive spin on it. Right. It'll, 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 it'll all work, all work out, out. But Well, it's also people who are you know yeah. deeply committed to you know rethinking schools. So That's right. I'm sure we'll come up with something useful that's right and can my, can i put in my plug for the actual Please. best thing that happened sure. yes the actual best thing that happened is that maria schreiner oh, right. my student uh won the national shakespeare competition unbelievable unbelievable i have to say i've been coaching the shakespeare competition here at hawken for 16 years and i i think i'm retiring officially because there's nowhere would, to go i would retire right that's yeah. incredible she is she's extraordinary in, in such a lovely humble kid i was yeah. her college uh, counselor for a oh. hot minute and uh my f- <laughs> she's gonna kill it. one of my favorite things to do was to go at a, the college fair with her and watch her and her mom go through to all the tables because her mom would have the uh the clipboard with the sheet and she would be checking it off but she always stood behind Maria. Maria always was the one to talk to the rep, <laughs> right? Uh, it was, I just, I love that kid. I love yes. that family. And uh, kudos she's, to her. She, kudos to her. And uh, talk about excelling with humility. Yes. 
you know, for sure. If you she walked around, that you wouldn't know that she was a national champion. I know in this incredible, like so competitive. I know. Um, and uh, yeah, she's just a lovely kid. So absolutely, wherever she goes, she will uh, she will make a mark. Um, That's for sure. And uh, and we'll have known her when. I know. That's I know. Like, yeah. What about you? I I you know I had a very. Um, you know, sometimes life, it just, all the things converge. Uh, my childhood best friend is a Hollywood screenwriter. I don't know what to tell you about it. I didn't make him up. It's, it's, a, it's a true story. That's what he does. He makes <laughs> movies, and he has movie stars in him. But he's also, like, incredibly generous and kind guy. Um, and uh, so I'm teaching the screenwriting class, which, you know, he probably should be teaching, but he doesn't live in <laughs> Ohio. So, he's so here in, you are. He's in Hollywood. So, um, But I made this uh, project where the kids, um, they were in writing p- partners, they were writing pairs, and they had to do go through a whole process that culminated in them having to pitch their film to, to Matt. Um, his name's Matt Manfredi. Um, and, uh, you know, we so I put my computer up with the Skype and the and I projected his face on the wall with the speakers and they went up nine groups of no nine pairs so that's you know eight, that's nine screenplays 18 kids um and they pitched and they pitched from memory and they sold their movies to to him and he gave them immediate feedback um that's and awesome it was it was cool. And they only had three weeks to cut, start from zero mm-hmm. to what's called a log line, which is like your one minute, uh, you know, mm-hmm. your one, two sentence um, uh, distillation of the film yeah. to the full pitch, um, and uh, which has three acts. You know, it has character arcs. It ha- it's a whole movie. Um, and they all they all made movies. Wow. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, it was really, it was cool. So I'm in the back and trying to be a teacher and like writing mm-hmm. my notes and, you know, giving my sense of how they're presented. That, uh, you know, uh, uh, presenting, and then I see like Matt's face on the wall. Kid, I've known since I was like thirteen or yes. twelve or something like that, and it's like ah, life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just such a oh. such a fun experience. So that's so cool. Yeah, Were there was, any that he thought could be real movies? Nine. Nine of them. No, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it turns out that everybody's a screenwriter, so everyone has big ideas. Um, what he was, I mean, he, I think he was sincerely impressed with the uh, their ability to, first of all, um, know how movies work, right, mm-hmm. and uh, absorb that and apply that to their own set of ideas, right, yeah. um, and the composure they had in pitching, their mm-hmm. creativity, um, and you know how far along they are one semester into learning how to be a screenwriter. Um, and you know, he and I have had lots of conversations about, you know, being a creative person and being a screenwriter and how difficult it is. And so much of it is not about talent. It's about skills. It's about persistence. It's about (laughs) exactly right. It's, it's about, you know, the ability to, you know, to persist through challenges to collaborate, talk about a collaborative art, collaborative art form. I mean, mm-hmm. you think you have in the writer's in room. The, oh my God. a writer's, But wait till it gets to a director, right? Yes. Wait till it gets to a right. cinematographer. Wait till it gets to the studio. And it says that's right. That scene that you thought was great. We don't have the money for that. Rewrite it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the actors come in and they make it their own. Absolutely. So if you're precious or if you know, you will not be a Hollywood screenwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so his generosity was clear and I, and hopefully that, you know, trickled in and you know, for whatever it's worth, they can always say, like no, I pitched that guy. I yeah. didn't like. His, I don't like his movies, but I pitched him. But I pitched to him, <laughs> and he makes great movies. You got everyone. I'm um, here's my plug. Yeah. Go see Destroyer with uh, Nicole Kidman. Yeah, um, it's on. That's his movie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's yeah. a great film. Dark. Didn't show it to the kids. A little too much. <laughs> a little too much. <laughs> a little too much. But. Can I? Can I enter your list for a second yeah. as a teacher? Yeah. And as, so, as somebody who's never had you know a real job other than being a teacher, right? Um, 
I sometimes feel like I had this idea, I'm sure formed in childhood, that most jobs were kind of like solitary. Yeah. You know, like like being an architect or maybe even being a writer, right. or being a screenwriter, that, you know, that it's like a person sitting in a room doing a thing yeah. and then you hand it off to somebody else and then you keep on doing your one thing. Right. More and more, I'm realizing that that's not how anyone's I, job works. I don't, yeah, no. And, you I'm know, sure that someone will, can come up with an example. Maybe it's being a philosophy graduate student. I don't right. know. But, um, but it just seems like every profession is deeply collaborative and, and more and more so, like more than when I was a kid, actually. Right. And I think about, you know, my, I, I write fiction and how I've evolved as a writer. You know, I have a writer's group that I, that is central to how, to my process. And, um, when I first started, I was precious, you know, I was, they don't understand my work, right? What mm-hmm. do they know? And it's grown so much where if I bring my work to my group and they say things, I really stop. I don't think much at all. I just do what they tell me to do because they see it in ways I can't, right? Mm-hmm. And I think uh, – and and they're smart and they're committed and they're generous and they're honest and talented. Yeah. And so that's how the work gets better. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I tried to bring that to the screenwriting class. Um, Absolutely. And it was a, yeah, it was a cool little moment. So anyway. Oh, cool. Big plug for Matt Manfredi and Maria Schreiner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> those, those two two stars of the show. That's All right. All right. Well, let's get to hearing from John Sherm. Uh, he was uh, really uh, a wonderful uh, person to talk to. Um, and we'll come back um, at the end of it and talk it through. So here is John Sherm. So, John Sherm, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. We're so glad to, to have you um, with us on the pod, and we're looking forward to talking with you about what work is like at Google, um, what you've learned that could be helpful to people starting a new high school. Um, and I should say, too, we owe you a tremendous debt of gratitude for hosting us at Google when uh, Scott and I and our intensive class were out there in December. Uh, that was a huge highlight of the trip for all of us. Oh, thank you. I had a, just a fantastic time that day. And it was great to connect with you, Scott, and all, all the students who, who came out. Yeah, afterwards, the students came back to campus and sort of looked at our new building. I was like, it's, it's nice, but it's not quite Google. I think they uh, <laughs> had Google envy. <laughs> I mean, there were a lot of layers to that visit. The building, the the lunch, the lunch was a huge hit. Um, I can but... only imagine. I've heard about the, the lunch, the Google <laughs> lunch is like somehow uh, the, the rumors are have, have made it their way all the way to Cleveland. I'm not sure what it is you have, like better hummus or something. I'm not sure. Multiple. Kind... A... Yeah, go ahead. So many different choices. It's, it's, you know, hard to figure out what to get. Absolutely. Um, and in all seriousness, um, and, you know, lunch and the, the building aside, um, the uh, opportunity to hear from you and from uh, the people you brought into our into the conversation with us about, um, you know, sort of Google as a learning organization and uh, and the the sort of future of work um kind of angle it was it was really impactful for the kids for sure as they were as they were doing their designs excellent oh it's great to hear um so i wonder would you be willing to start by um talking to us a little you know you're a hawken alum so tell us what you what you did after hawken um and how you ended up where you are absolutely Uh, so after hawken i went to middlebury college in vermont and uh there i studied economics and math and and, you know, just a great environment that uh, the econ degree 
took me with an interest for investments into investment banking for a short stint. And I was actually back uh, in Cleveland at that period at National City. Uh, and then after that, made my way to Google and uh, have been working there on the compensation team. And kind of the, the red thread through all of that was, you know, back in, in college, I'd written some work on labor markets and how to set up compensation programs. And that kind of followed me uh, all the way to Google. That's really interesting. Did you, uh, when you thought about Google back when you started, could, could you have envisioned what it has become? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> it's been uh, it's been really fun to see the different stages from you know Google in in two thousand seven, much smaller company than it is now, uh, much kind of limited product uh, scope from what we have now, and then you know the the transition from. Google to the broader alphabet structure uh, and just seeing, you know, the you know, number of products and the number of ways that we're trying to, to focus on different users and making sure that we're meeting their needs. Right. I mean, I, I, I can only imagine, you know, at one point it's called Google and then Google becomes a verb uh, and then it, Google becomes the entire alphabet. <laughs> you know, it's really <laughs> quite a progression from a small company uh, that was a search engine, right? That was how it started. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been, uh, you know, the first product was Google search yeah. and uh, it, it grew from there. And, you know, for me, it's just been a, a, an honor to be be part of this team and part of watching the, the company grow and just seeing the, the complexity that uh, we continue to take on. Yeah. And, and can I ask, so how, how did you find your way into doing what you do now at Google? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, kind of looking back at my academic career, you know, econ, uh, and not just, um, you know, supply and demand econ, but also labor econ uh, was a big interest of mine. And I had great mentors uh, that I worked with in college, uh, Professor Jeffrey Carpenter and, and Professor Peter Matthews, and had worked through through a thesis with them, just kind of writing about, you know, competition and tournaments and really envisioning, you know, if you look at like a, a sports tournament, you have your brackets and the brackets essentially all lead to a winner. You kind of turn those on the side and think of it like a company. You have kind of entry-level individuals who get promoted to the next level and, you know, that call it winner or the person at the top of the, the hierarchy would be the, the CEO and, um, you know, kind of academically approaching how would you, you know, pay people at each level? How would you set up the number of folks that advance at each level and, you know, what are the incentives? If you if you make the incentives between levels too high, then it could create you know a, a bad environment and create people to kind of not work together. And if you make the incentive differential at each level too small, uh, people might not be as driven to to get to those higher level positions. So, really interesting academic problem to to solve, and it really had built on a lot of the things that I learned at Hawken in my career there, and just kind of that that interest to always be learning and uh, kind of working through tough problems. So that, you know, when Julia talked a little bit to me about uh, what you guys, what the kids experienced and what you do, my question really, you know, not about the compensation side, although it's fascinating, <laughs> uh, 
was how did you create a culture where you are able to bring people into an organization, have them collaborate, and then have them distinguish themselves and find areas of interest and move through an organization in a way that's that's healthy. And um, that was one thing that Julia and, and the kids came away from with visiting was that it seemed like more or less a healthy environment for people to work in and be creative and felt safe. And so I'm just curious, like, how'd you build it? How do you build Absolutely. a culture? Um, you know, it existed far be- far before I joined. Um, so, so you know, the team here across Google, from the the founders to the senior leadership to you know, all the managers to folks that that join right out of college, um, all play a really important part in it. And uh, you know, there are some things that are that are just ingrained in our DNA. Um, one of them is making uh, decisions with data. You know, I think whether you're looking at human resources finance, HR, we call POPs, people operations, um, to the engineering teams, you know, everyone is kind of analyzing everything that they do and, you know, trying to make sure that they're making the right decisions. And then, you know, on top of that, we, we just have kind of a lot of things that are hardwired into to Google from the, uh, the class leading benefits that we have, the, the lunches that you all saw while you were here. <laughs> Uh, to just really making it easy for people to do work, whether that's you know a, a shuttle system that can get you from your neighborhood in San Francisco all the way you know down the peninsula to to Mountain View, um, or whether it's you know class leading healthcare benefits to try and make it easier for folks who are going out on parental leave or coming back from parental leave. Uh, there's just a lot of pieces to you know getting that that special. Uh, Google culture together. And, you know, another big one is, is questioning, questioning decisions and having a voice. And, you know, we have many different forums for employees to speak in and, and it's kind of, you know, a great way to get real time feedback. You know, it's, it's interesting. One thing, and it relates, I think, to that idea of um, questioning and transparency. But one thing you uh, talked about with us when we were there that really struck me, um, and Scott, I think, as well, was the research on psych- psychological safety um, and the, the importance of psychological safety in culture. Would you be willing to talk a little about that? Absolutely. Um, you know, our, our people analytics team has done a lot of, a lot of research on psychological safety and you know, especially research uh, on teams and how they they um, perform strongly. And really one of the top things that they found was that if a team shows high signs of psychological safety, that that's a good indicator that they'll be a high-performing team. So, so just, if, just to interrupt for a second, can we if, define psychological safety so people have a clear idea of what that, what that term means? Absolutely. Uh, psychological safety is the, the concept that you know, people feel like their voice matters, that they can speak up and be heard, and that there's not fear of retribution or, you know, really kind of uh, stymieing their career, you know, with, when they give feedback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, part of what was intriguing to me, I'll just jump in here, about that idea was um, – thinking about its applicability, obviously for us to a school environment, right? So, you know, one of the questions for, for us and for the students when we were out visiting you was what can we learn from these, you know, incredibly large and successful organizations that are at the cutting edge of shaping our our culture and our economy um, about, 
what, what can we learn that could be applicable to a school um, and starting a new school and a school that's maybe built in a different model? And so that idea of um, freedom to speak up and a sense of being heard um, and of not being judged was definitely one that struck us as we thought about, for instance, the decision to move away from grades um, in our school. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's one piece of it, but I think one of the pressing questions for us for sure, um, in this work is how do we create that sense of belonging and safety, um, as part of our, our culture and our community in the, in the mastery school? Absolutely. It's a, it's a great question. And, you know, I think kind of first on the face of it, just the, the, you know, willingness to experiment with an educational model, I think kind of shows the listening to feedback, whether it's students or broader uh, about the system. So I think that's a, that's already a great, great step in, in the right direction. Um, and then, you know, I think in the format kind of having dedicated mentors, people who know the students and can hear and, and, you know, help them shape their voices uh, is an important part. Yeah, do you feel, do you feel like that psychological safety has had tangible benefits? Do you, how 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 could you articulate or or how could we see the the benefits of people feeling like they belong and that they have voice? Absolutely, you know I think the biggest benefit of you know people feeling like they belong and having voice is getting all the perspectives uh, out in the open because it just kind of helps people to in the case of a tech company, kind of anticipate the different views that, you know, a user may have. Uh, but also, you know, there's there's no single way to solve many problems. So it kind of helps folks rapidly iterate through, you know, what might need to happen to solve this challenge or to get this project through to, to completion. Yeah. So, so, I, so, I, so if we're thinking about the kinds of people whom you... Uh, look for and want to hire at Google um, and the kinds of sort of skills or habits or um, mindsets that they exhibit. Um, you know, part of what we're thinking about in high school is how do you, at, at a really foundational moment in someone's life, how do you build the skills and habits and mindsets that we want people to have as adults? Um, so I wonder from your angle, what, what are the ones that are the most important um, that you see that help people to be, to be successful? Absolutely. I think, um, well, I'll think back to, to my Hawken experience. I think one really great thing that, that I took away in a, in a large portfolio of great things I learned there was, you know, communication and both written and uh, spoken communication, mm -hmm. you know, being able to clearly put out a hypothesis and back it up with data and facts and make a case for your point um, is very important in, you know, today's tech companies and probably where industry in general is going. Um, so I think that's, that's mm -hmm. a big piece. Then also just, you know, finding your own voice, having principles, uh, and, you know, being able to speak to those and, and, uh, you know, when you see different pieces of data or when you're doing different analyses, kind of pulling as many perspectives as you can to try and pressure test your own hypotheses or, or arguments. 
Yeah, so part of the fascination with Google and a lot of these companies is that, you know, there's this sense that maybe you guys have a little bit of higher ground and can see what's coming, you know. Um, and, you know, there's a, there's a sense – I was reading an article last week about how Google and other companies are now bypassing colleges to some extent. And you mm-hmm. don't have to demonstrate that you've got a degree if you just have certain skills or certain um, uh, competencies or, you know, proclivities you're you may be hireable even if you didn't get a degree can you i don't know if you've experienced that but can you tell us what's coming i mean i've got kids you know i want to make sure they have jobs uh what what's the what's the future john what's it gonna look like i I can only speak from my perspective I, i can't represent google's perspective there um but you know i still think a college education and and pursuing um you know, degrees that you're passionate about are probably the best way to, to success in the workplace um, because there's a lot of learning and development that goes on throughout the, the primary school and, and you know, collegiate level. And, uh, you know, that said, I'm a, I'm a product of, you know, primarily a liberal arts education across the board from what I, I received at both, you know, Hawken and Middlebury. And I think that's, that's served me quite well um, because it's, it's allowed me to be nimble in, in solving problems and, you know, kind of taking different perspectives in, synthesizing those perspectives, synthesizing the data, and then coming back with, you know, recommendations or, or strategies that we can test. So uh, I think my recommendation would be stay the course and, and continue to go to college. <laughs> I, I think that's probably wise. Well, as products of liberal arts educations ourselves, we're inclined to agree with you. Yeah, we're inclined you. to agree. But, um, but in terms of the kinds of jobs that, that maybe uh, Hawking graduates um, in the next years will, will, will encounter, uh, you know, one of, the th- one of the theories that we're working from is that technology and every element of, of our society is changing so rapidly that emphasizing certain content areas as, you know, as sort of do or die, you must learn all this stuff is maybe becoming less relevant and more relevant are the skills, capacities, mindsets. Um, is that something you see at Google or, you know, how, when you think about people you hire, are there particular, you know, content areas that you want to make sure people have? You know, it's all, it's all very job specific. Um, if I were thinking about characteristics that, you know, I think lead to success, um, you know, folks who are, you know, good at working together, you know, can, can be collaborative. And then also who have, you know, deep subject matter expertise in their, their specific fields. A company like Google has so much opportunity for different um, backgrounds and different uh, subject matter expertise. On, on one hand, it could be, you know, machine learning specialists. And then on the other hand, it could be, you know, folks who have deep background in, you know, management consulting or in, in finance. Well, and so, you know, I think, uh, what's interesting about that in many ways is that, um, it's, you know, it's not that there isn't content expertise that you need to have for jobs, Mm -hmm. right? Like, or technical expertise, that's still really important. Um, but something that I think is striking is that, uh, your education isn't over when you leave your last official institution, right? Like that's one of my takeaways from the, from, uh, the 
more reading and learning that I've done. And it certainly resonates with my own lived experience as well. Um, so how does, you know, how, how does that part work? Like the, that sort of idea of ongoing learning. Absolutely. It's, it's a, it's a great point And it's, it's a lived one for me. Um, you know, I think the academic curiosity or kind of the, the want to always be learning will really help folks as, you know, in, in their, in, in, 10 years of, of the last 10 years of my career, I've seen skills necessary, you know, change significantly uh, from, you know, entering Google as an analyst and now being more uh, kind of on the, the strategy side of things. So, you know, needing to, to flex different muscles at different times and, and recognize where your career is going as you progress through you know, management positions to, you know, building scale through a, a larger distributed team, um, being able to change and, and reinvent, I think, keeps keeps folks nimble. And, uh, you know, especially at companies where technology is moving fast, strategy is moving, you know, very quickly, being able to react to those things and kind of continue to be be relevant and continue to, you know, push the bar on, on technology or challenges uh, is really a big benefit to individuals. Well, and that's really what we're we're hoping for, and that's what Agreed. we see, right? Is that yes. sense that you know, there's, there's this is not a uh, um, there's not a terminal degree anymore. It certainly doesn't. <laughs> uh, certainly, it's not twelfth grade. Uh, and the function then of school, to some extent, is to um, give c- people the capacity, interest, tools to keep learning. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it used to be, you know, just a tagline on a school. We create, you know, lifelong learners. Now it's it's a it's a necessity. A necessity. Um, the, the world has just changed so fundamentally. It, that's and that's the thesis. And it sounds like that's sort of what where, what you've experienced. You know. So, like one final question I have is: What advice would you give us then to as we begin to develop a, a new school? We, we, um, we can create a culture. We can create program. We can create you know values. Um, what advice would you give us uh, from your perspective? You know, I think, you know, continuing to focus as, as Hawken always has on the, the character of, of students that you, you produce is, you know, really strong for you know, folks to enter the world and the workplace and college and kind of, you know, kind of looking to challenge themselves, looking to do good in the world, uh, looking to kind of build skills as they, they develop. Uh, I think that's a really strong thing to continue to focus on. Um, I really like the idea of skills mastery um, because as I speak to folks internally, folks on my team, you know, as they're, and back to our last, last discussion on always learning, you know, as you build skills, it gets easier to pull from those skills and build more skills or to see common threads between whether it's an analysis or a presentation mm-hmm. or things that you've done in the past, um, kind of thinking about it from that point of how can I use these in the future or, you know, how can I build upon these in the future will really help people to, to succeed. I think that's great advice, um, both on the, the character front, which we agree completely um, with. And we've been thinking a lot about that and how, what you know how incredibly important character education and frankly humility is in the work that we're doing in um 
bringing students out into the world to solve real world problems, um, that, uh, there's, there's a lot of humility that we need to bring with us as we show up in, you know, out in the community to, to help and recognize that we're helping other people who are working on solving problems. Um, so that, that character, that speaks to me very much to, to character. Um, and then I think to your point about skills building on each other that, you know, we agree so much with that, too, and that something that we see in um, particularly in cross or transdisciplinary courses that there's a way that students who get get hooked um, on by, by finding a way into a problem with something that's a strength or an interest of theirs. And then it brings them in and encourages them to go deeper and and try something maybe that they hadn't tried um so they're in a class where there's a you know there's physics and there's communication and there's design and maybe they really love designing things and so along the way they realize they have to learn some physics in order to make sure that their design can be built and so then um so then they're building from that place of strength um and so uh so that's definitely i would say part of what we're we're seeing in our model yeah, and too it's, and it seems just that uh what we have here is an opportunity to build a culture where that's part of yeah. the design. Right. And, uh, yeah. and it sounds like there's a lot that went on with, uh, how Google designed its culture. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, plus lunch, right. Different salmon and hummus. And yeah, I think there should be lunch, you know, the, the, in the buildings, which I hope you'll get to see the next time you are out in Cleveland, um, John, the buildings for the new campus, but you know, there are these old, um, houses, these old mansions. And so there are these little kitchens yeah, and sit, you know, little kitchens and sinks and things like that in, in a number of the places. And, uh, and I just keep thinking of the Google micro kitchens. <laughs> oh, really? I mean, I don't know that that's in the budget really to, to do that, but man, with teenagers, you know, they, they would eat you out of house and home. That would be pretty exciting. I like but, a micro kitchen. Yeah. It's a good idea. They're <laughs> great. And, and, you know, they, they help everyone be productive here. You know, you don't have to go too far to find a great snack. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, we want to thank you for joining us and taking the time to, uh, to share your wisdom and your ideas. Uh, hope that you get to come see the mastery school at some point. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. And we'll check back in when we make something and uh, see what you think. Excellent. Well, I look forward to seeing the school when I'm in town next and, you know, thank you both. I appreciate the, the, the invitation and I've had fun. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, here is a guy who is at the, one of the biggest corporations, you know, whatever it is, uh, in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was still about people, right? Totally about people. Yeah. And about character. Yeah. You know, which I think which I thought was really striking. Um, it's such a foundational part of what we do at Hawken, as John said. Um, but a, I thought it was really interesting the way that he brought that in and came back to that and how important character and defining your values and using those as a lens for decision making, how important he sees right. that, like when they're screening for candidates. Right. Yeah. Um, and then culture to me i just keep coming back to it is you know one of the rare opportunities we have with this mastery school is to sort of make it you know yes. um, obviously we are going to import hawken and its value system and and all of that but there is something around starting a new school where you have somewhat of a blank slate and we're going to have an opportunity to bring students in to help mm-hmm. shape that 
Yeah. And, you know, that's that's what we that's such a hawking thing to do. And it's what we've been doing already. It's what we did with the intensive Mm -hmm. and getting student voice in like right at the outset of what do we want this school to be like. And uh, on the design team right now, without giving away any spoilers, I would say we're talking all the time about how do we bring in student voice in the foundational months and years of the school to shape all kinds of aspects of the school and its culture. Right. And inclusivity and, you mm-hmm. know, values that are yeah. going to be part of Because we're entering a community. And I think yeah. that's one of the things that, you know, we've been talking a lot about is that, you know, how do you enter a community that already exists? You know, how right. do you do it in a way that has both humility um, while also the ambition to to be a, a partner, right, mm-hmm. and have an impact? So, um, I don't know. I think it's really interesting. I also just like the idea that, you know, there's someone who went from Hawken to Google, who can also help us understand how to reshape, how to shape a new school, you know, at Hawken, you know, there's just something nice yeah. about that. Um, okay. So let's wrap up here, but I wanted to say a couple things first to our listeners. If you're out there, if you have feedback for us on this podcast, now we're several episodes in, we'd love to hear that. And you can go to redesigning school.org. Um, if you go to the pod page, uh, there's a little button. You can basically send us an email and give us some feedback, um, suggestions, um, et cetera. Um, and and we want to make sure that uh, if you're listening out there that you have an opportunity to share this. So please, we would love people to pay attention um, and to uh, to broaden our lead, uh, listenership. Um, and so uh, with that, I want to thank John Sherm for joining us. Uh, obviously, thank you to Julia and to anyone out there listening. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes and other spots where you find your podcast. Follow us, Redesigning School, on all the social media channels. Uh, we hit 200 on Twitter. Hey, Th- they sent little balloons. Did they? Virtual balloons. Oh. Yeah, Did they make ex- you feel good? There was a moment where I was like, I don't, right. know, I don't know what my life has become, but 200 people on Twitter. I don't Feels know. good. There was a moment. I got whatever the <laughs> algorithm is that touches the little dopamine receptor in my totally. brain. It, it totally works. It worked. Yeah. Nice job, Twitter. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, whatever. All the redesigning stuff. Please do it. Follow our newsletter. And until next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Thanks.